DraftKings Sportsbook is not only our favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. We love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. Both mine and Taylor's friends have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know, we know, you will too. Listen to this great offer. Taylor, why don't you let them have it? DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. It's a lot of site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that's still in contention. There are four of them. Bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. And don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Once again, THPN. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we have some Sabres news to talk about today. Namely, we have a coach, Donnie Meatballs, Don Granado, confirmed as the 20th head coach in Buffalo Sabres franchise history announced a three-year deal with Granado to remain with the team. Of course, Granado was named interim head coach after Ralph Kruger's firing earlier this season and looked, generally speaking, promising for what the Sabres are about to be embarking on in this next phase of the franchise. Taylor, what's your early reaction to the Granado hire? Well, based on that set, I just heard about him being the 20th full-time non-interim head coach of the Sabres. It strikes me that Zemgus Gergensen is going to have played for more than a third of the coaches in Sabres history uh, the first time he suits up for Granado. Good God. Just thought about that for the first time. I just did that mental arithmetic. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's pretty much what we've been saying about Granado that we expect it'll be him. It just all the signs are pointing towards that, especially when they didn't make a move earlier. It just seemed like they were just trying to interview a bunch of people and do their quote unquote due diligence. And we like Granado. We did a whole thing uh, like it seems like a year ago now, but I bet it was like two and a half months ago about all the potential coaching hires. And we laid out the potentials for Boudreaux, Nate Lehman at Providence and Granado. And I kind of looked at Granado and it's interesting. Like when he got brought on as an assistant with Kruger, he, he has a better resume than Kruger, like a much better resume. He has what you'd expect from a coach. Now he's a little bit older for a first time coach, but like he was a player then he was, he coached in juniors. He won in juniors. He won in the ECHL. He won on the AHL. He coached the national team, the, the developmental national team. And he then he coached assistant jobs in the NHL. And it's like, okay, yeah, so it's your, your turn to step up. And like we said, he did a pretty good job in terrible circumstances during the actual season. So the reason it's such a good hire is because of all the bad things that happened, namely that you don't have – a snowball's chance in hell of competing in the next two years. So you might as well have a guy that's good with development and focuses on development. So I was pretty happy with it, but not really for a good reason. Yeah. I think it just, it's a, the kind of hire that just makes sense. 
we both were pretty strong advocates for them bringing in Bruce Boudreau, but that was with the caveat that Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhart definitively would still be here and that you would pretty much try and run it back one more time before Eichel's no movement clause kicks in. And also assuming that you'd be able to lock down Reinhardt long-term, you know, before next year when he becomes a UFA and Eichel's uh, NMC kicks in, but it, it just didn't make sense to hire him now, given the the outlook of the team and what's happening with them and, and really what to expect next year. Um, Granado really the thing that I appreciated the most about him in this hire is the way that, he brought out the best in the younger players on the roster. And I understand anybody who will step up and say, Oh, well sample size, it was like about 20 games or give or take. So it, it's hard to you know say that this guy is good or not because of that, but that's not necessarily what I mean. Like the, the results on like the score sheet or anything like that. It's how he utilized Rasmus Dahlin and taking the reins off and allowing him to be a true number one, purely offensive defenseman and not making him play a style that is just not who he is. And that's what Ralph Kruger just kept trying to shove down his throat. So it's that it's giving Dylan cousins, big matchups down the stretch to see how he would handle that. And not only that, but also to kind of just get an idea of how these other top end, how this top end talent plays throughout the league. Um, you know, obviously Eichel being hurt was, uh, caused a huge hole. Not that it necessarily would have made a difference regardless in the team's prospects because they, he was playing hurt anyways, and they were just bad all year, but him being out gave cousins the opportunity to move up in the lineup and get some marquee matchups against bigger, like bigger name guys. I mean, namely like Crosby comes to mind right off the top of the bat. Um, and not only is that exposing him to just the general speed smarts, skill of a guy like Crosby for cousins to kind of match up against that, but it's also allowing him to kind of take from that and learn and see how Crosby does things and how these top end guys do it, because that's really what cousins long-term outlook is going to be. I like that. He was able to also figure out how to activate some of the younger guys. Um, namely like with pairings cousins and Roostalainen comes to mind and figuring out that those two were a good match. Cousins really seemed to bring the best out of Roostalainen. And I feel very optimistic about Roostalainen moving into next year, even if the team is anticipating to be bad again. Um, Middlestat and Asplund come to mind as well. Thompson, I guess, could be thrown into that mix too, but I was more so impressed with Middlestat and Asplund down the stretch. And they really seem to play off of each other very well. Casey, namely, I mean, it's going to be interesting. He's maybe the most intriguing player that'll be on the roster next year because of the fact that before last season, he seemed like a lost cause. I know you were ready to give up on him. Um, most Sabres fans were, and nobody could have, could have disputed that. And, or, you know, it'd been like, come on, you know, cause he did not look good. However, pre Kruger's firing, he started to look, he was looking better as it was. And we had talked about that pretty extensively throughout the season, even though the team was not performing well, he really seemed to shine when he was given those moments to, to play. Cause initially last season, early on, he was not on the, he was not playing on a regular basis. Granado comes in, gives him the opportunity, puts together that line with Asplund and Thompson. And they really, really, really clicked. And I believe that under Granado Casey played at something like a 25 plus goal pace for the year, not saying that that's what he's going to, that's what we have to look forward to next year, but oh, you heard it here first, 25 goals. For right. Stat. You can't deny it though, that he looked like a completely different player on top of how much better he already looked to begin with. So he really intrigues me and in how Granado is going to be able to, 
you know, uh, insulate this young nucleus now that they're going to have moving forward. The problem is, though, is that aside from Cousins, they really don't have a, another blue chip prospect yet, we should say, because that could definitely change with the trades of Eichel and Reinhardt. So it's going to be pretty rough next year. There's going to be a lot of holes on the roster. You're still going to have Jeff Skinner in his $9 million contract. You're going to have to figure out ways to fill in the rest of the top six because you cannot just feed these young guys to the Wolves like that and just let them play all season against top talent and more likely than not just get their faces caved in. So there's a lot to be worried about. And I know we had a small sample size with, with Granado, but his overall philosophy, how he utilizes younger players, his focus on on being offensive minded first and foremost and knowing that that is the way that you win games not by trying to not lose them that, that's all things that are that just seem really promising to me and he, it seemed like the the young core really bought into him um down the stretch after he was named coach so that at least gives me some sense of hope that maybe just maybe a sabers coach might actually stay the entire course of their contract well, at the very least, he should be the longest tenured coach since Lindy Ruff once he's uh, all done. If we just want to go over a brief history since Ruff got fired after almost two decades at the helm, you know, and it was time for him to go when it, when it was. You had Rolston finish out that short and lockout season and then get fired about 20-something games into the next – maybe not even 20 games into the next season. You had Nolan finish out that season, do the entire next season and get fired – Bielsma, finally, someone finished two full years, which is Bielsma. He gets fired in kind of an unexpected way. Some rumors about him and Jack not getting along. Housley gets two full years. Kruger gets almost all of last year until the the shutdown. It was like 70 games. And then half of the shortened season this year, he didn't. I don't think he coached 100 games. Coached right around 100 games. So maybe, maybe we'll finally have a coach who can hit that illustrious 200 games mark. Whoa. Could you believe it? Unbelievable. I know this league goes through coaches pretty rapidly, but that's unbelievable that, that we haven't had anyone do that. Well, so anyway, I'm glad they learned their lesson and not sending coaches to five-year contracts. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like you said, you can't really argue with the results with, not even just his, you, you, you were talking about the process with him and why you like that. I think the results are something to be happy with. And I said this a couple episodes ago, his overall record was not actually good. However, if you look at it from a quote unquote, when he got his feet under him thing, like I said, he missed some, he missed a game because of COVID exposure, something weird like that. And after Kruger gets fired they're in the midst of this, he was losing streak, but he finishes out like nine, 11 and two after, you know, he gets used to some things, I think. And that, that is uh, interesting because he didn't have Eichel at all during that time. And they traded Hall during that time and Allmark got hurt again during that time, which means that he was finishing out this season playing pretty okay with Dustin Tokarski, Michael Hauser, Hutton was hurt too. Not that that matters. He was about equal to those guys at this point. Like this was, yeah, like this was a really, really bad team and they had a respectable record under him. So gotta be pretty happy with the hire. Uh, now it's, you know, time to turn the attention to everything that could uh, happen this off season. We could be, we could have seen the last of Eichel, Ristolainen, Reinhardt, McCabe, Olmark, quite a few guys who uh, we, we don't know if we're ever going to see again, and quite a interesting uh, number of things to happen on the trade market and the free agent market and in the draft, which there was some uh, 
I won't say news, some murmuring about today on Twitter. There was some. And actually, really, really quick before we get into that, another coaching-related news. We don't know if Matt Allison and Dan Girardi will be back next year. It's been reported that there's a lot of actual interest in Girardi um, elsewhere throughout the league. However, one name that was thrown out there that you and I had talked about last week as a potential assistant coach, Ricard Gronberg. There is rumblings that there is interest in the Sabres organization and bringing him on as an assistant or associate coach and sign me the hell up for that. Whether you keep Girardi or not, if you could have Girardi and Gronberg, I think that'd be great, but bring it on. Give me Gronberg for one, just again, furthering that offensive mindset, that analytics driven mindset to that Granado far more than Kruger seems to buy into. And also for the fact that if things go bad in the next two years and Granado gets fired, you got Gronberg right there with NHL experience waiting to get that promotion to the head coaching job. Back to the draft point, though. It had come out to John Vogel in an athletic Q&A that Terry Pagula loves Owen Power, which is probably the least surprising thing in the world because what is Owen Power, Taylor? He's a big, big guy. He's a big, 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 big boy. Big, big, big boy. And what does Terry Pagula love? Big guy. He loves the big guys. Big guys, they come up to me with their tears in their eyes, and they're like, Mr. Pagula, thank you for saving the Sabres. (laughs) Exactly. So Terry Pagula sounds like. It is. No, it's pretty much his spitting image. Uh, So John Vogel comments that not only that Terry Pagula loves Owen Power, which, again, obviously – uh, that he, the, the Sabre scouting staff as a whole really likes all of the Michigan guys, M- Michigan guys being Matt Berniers, Beniers and Kent Johnson. People then took that and got very worried, rightfully so, because assuming Owen power goes first overall to the Sabres, which it, even though you and I, I think at this point, both disagree with that and would rather they take Beniers first overall, they <laughs> it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. If power goes one, that Seattle will take Berniers at two. It makes too much sense. They're an expansion team. They have an opportunity to get a future first line center with this second overall pick, their first draft pick as a franchise. So it makes too much sense. Um, Sabres have been connected to Anaheim. Anaheim holds the third overall pick. And that has been discussed as a key piece of the Jack Eichel trade. Potentially should that happen. People then started to wonder oh my God, would they take Kent Johnson over William Eklund? Who, if we're being honest, a lot of smart people, obviously Beniers has an advantage when it comes to being a center, but a lot of smart people believe that Eklund might not only be the best forward in this draft class, might be the best player in this draft class in terms of his long-term outlook and how good he may end up being. When you compare how he is right now in his pre-draft year how he's scoring in the shl it's up there with some of the like best pre-draft year my terminology i know is off there i'm sorry because i'm all flustered about this but it's up there in recent history with some of the best players to come out of the shl namely his scoring rates are also better than last year's top five overall i think he went fifth or sixth overall, Lucas Raymond, who you and I both loved a lot last year. would have been awesome if he could have fell to the Sabres somehow. Um, that, of course, didn't happen, but it, he's he's been remarkable. And so then all of this craze comes out on Twitter because that starts getting shared around from Vogel. Then not even a few hours later, Lance from the Buffalo News 
leaks out there that he's heard from the saber like from people within the sabers that william eckland is their top rated forward on the draft board which i am not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or anything like that but you cannot tell me that there is no correlation between those two things coming out not only on the same day but so close to one another Am I am I wrong? Am I am I grasping at straws here, Taylor? Or would you agree that there might be something going on there? And that thing going on, you think it's uh, Anaheim being the Eichel trade destination? Not necessarily that, but I think not. No, not necessarily that. I guess what I'm saying is not that they're paying attention to what fans are saying, but I just thought it was kind of suspect that there's this talk that they love the three Michigan guys that gets brought up. People rightfully so chew them out about it. And then not only, not even a couple hours later, we hear that they love William Eklund. Okay. I see what you mean. So you, you think that they're paying attention to what happens on Twitter? Not necessarily. See, when you say it like that, it sounds bad, but just like, I think that they pay attention to what gets leaked. I'll put it that way because the stuff originated with John Vogel that he put that out and I mean, come on. I know that it's Twitter and I know people might be rolling their eyes right now, but if you're a professional sports organization, their PR department, it's their job to know what leaks are going out. Well, they do pay attention. Obviously they, they pay attention to the Donnie meatballs meme. Right. Obviously when they made that video. So like they know there's on Twitter, all all the, all the GMs are not all the GMs, but there's a lot of, a lot of the executives, they have these dummy accounts. Like didn't Lindy Ruff have one at one point. Do you remember that? That got found out because he, Murray did for Tim Murray, I think definitively like admitted that he did too. Yeah. It's called freaking ranting Ron folks. (laughs) (laughs) So I I do see what you're saying, but I kind of, it only matters. It doesn't really matter if they like Eklund or Bernier's over Ken Johnson. All that matters is if Anaheim trades them, if if the, if the Eichel trades with Anaheim, otherwise it's it's irrelevant because they're just going to take power and not have another shot at one of those guys. But if Anaheim is part of the trade opportunities to move into the top five or 10 though, between whether for other Eichel Reinhardt destinations, that's the only other point I'm making too. That's possible. I mean, would those, I mean, would Eklund or would would Eklund be available? He could, he very well could. I mean, think about it. How often is it that people fall in the draft? Like Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield's a great example. Even within the top 10, though, people who go later like that. I mean, I think Trevor's in a couple years from now, yeah, Zagris going nine, Cousins even going eight, Quinn Hughes, I think, went eight. Um, you well, know, Cousins was six, wasn't he? We had no, six Cousins. that year? No, he was eighth, and then Zagris was nine. Oh, I thought we had six. I thought, uh, what's his name? Moritz? Moritz? He was taking sixth. Oh, damn. Yeah, did we get passed twice that year? What's that? I thought I thought Cousins was different than um because this was a thought I had that cause era uh, Middlestat was eight or he might have been seven either way Ristolainen was eight and so was Nylander so I was kind of worried about that so I wasn't worried about Cousins so I thought he was either seven or six. I will tell you right now the draft order. It was uh, okay. Yeah, Cousins is seven. Oh, he went seven. Excuse me. Cider was six. Broberg went eight, and then Zagris went nine. Broberg. But even still, I mean, that's what a name. I love that. What? Broberg. Broberg. But even still, I mean, there's guys like Quinn Hughes. Like this isn't, you know, 
there is uh Th- this draft is looking pretty strong outside of the top two i gotta say 2019 maybe just number two i think hughes might end up being okay yeah it's tough for a number one pick though doc people like doc bowen byram everyone's excited about him in colorado turkett turkot is potentially untouchable in the jack eichel trade ridiculous i don't know about Moritz. Uh, uh, random non-savers note actually that i just got sent along to me um let me see here elliot friedman oh is this duncan keith yeah that's pretty interesting Yeah, he might be getting traded to a Pacific Northwest or Western Canada team. Would this be Seattle? Maybe that would be pretty crazy. I mean, Seattle could use a face of the franchise to get started there. Well, and if that's the case, I mean, I guess you could just, if you're Chicago, just leave them exposed. But then again, maybe that's just going to depend because maybe they trade them to Seattle so that they don't take somebody else. I don't really know what Chicago's situation is looking like heading into the expansion draft. Now, but. I saw Elliot say that somewhere that Keith might want to go and it would also behoove the Blackhawks to get something back for him. Mm-hmm. Where would Keith want to go in the Pacific Northwest or Western Canada? I mean, would he want to go to Seattle? I kind of doubt it. I assume he has a no move. Not really many like major contenders out that way. I mean, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, man i don't know yeah wild so well anyways back to our discussion though yeah well there's a lot it's a lot going forward we'll have with the sabers so anyway we'll have uh we'll have a lot to talk about this summer we will, we will. and then there was also some rumblings too of just people pretty much saying that things aren't going to start getting really crazy until after the expansion draft which i believe is on july 21st um, I can double check that, but the word that was used from the time from the expansion draft to the uh, to the like the actual NHL draft and start of free agency mayhem. That's what people are saying is going to be happening in those handful of days. Yeah, it's July twenty first. Yeah, um, so maybe we wait until the expansion draft and that's when the Eichel trade happens. But the funny thing is, is that it's only three weeks away from the time that people are going to be listening to this. So very, yeah, wow. very interesting, which also I think it was announced that the expansion draft will be aired on ESPN two. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I think huh, this, all the draft stuff, that's what's just really scary to me is that I just don't trust them. And if Terry's the one who's going to say like, Oh, I like big boy or like pretty much dictate have the final word on this. It does not make me feel very positive. I just think the fact that they're taking in, even if it, I know Owen power is seeming to pull away, but like, I still, he may end up being great. I would rather they just, they go forward. I know they got to do best player available, but I think ultimately when you're talking about who is going to end up having the most on ice impact and who can have the, be the biggest difference maker for your team. It's Eklund or Berniers. I, I, I think it goes without saying, you know, and I know I, I'm, I still firmly think that they should take Berniers first overall, but even if it is Eklund, that's awesome. Like if they can get one and three and somehow get Berniers and Eklund, I think that would be amazing. And it completely, completely replenishes your forward prospects cup or your prospect covered. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, that that's what's so huge. They just really have to win these Eichel and Reinhardt trades. I mean, they're not going to be good or interesting even to watch for the next couple of years, but that that's huge. I don't even think they need to win them necessarily. I think that they just need to get it, at least enough back. 
And I know that enough is very, sub- very subjective, but like, you know, you all know what I'm talking about. Not Ryan O'Reilly, like with Eichel, for example, if that Anaheim trade were to happen, obviously my preference would be Zegris in third overall. And then maybe like a cap dump or something like that. But if it ends up being third overall Comtois, um, maybe like a Sam Steele or a Troy Terry coming back too for like another good young roster player, Lundenstrom, their, their center prospect. And then like a cap dump, it's not going to be what I want, but it's not going to be the end of the world because at the end of the day, you're still going to get a high end piece out of that being the third overall pick. I'm going to be disappointed because I want them to get Zegris, but like no matter what, they just need to get something that at least will be worthwhile. And in the O'Reilly trade, they didn't get anything worthwhile. That we know of. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Glad Sabatka going to make a late career comeback. I was just going to say, maybe this is Tage's year. Maybe it's Ryan Johnson's year. So elsewhere in the NHL, the uh, awards announcement came last night because they didn't do the NHL awards again this year. Probably because of COVID, I assume. I didn't look into that. So I was pretty happy with the awards this year. I thought they did a, a better job than they do most years, and at least in terms of the winners. And an interesting thing with the, the awards is that they, they're all voted on by different groups of people, not all, but there's like the, the GMs vote on Vesna, the broadcasters vote for Jack Adams, things like that. But yeah, so basically McDavid was unanimous, which is smart. That's, that's the only reasonable way for it to be. That's kind of a surprise. They got that, that right. Uh, you had Adam Fox for Norris, which I was legitimately stunned by. I thought it's the right move. What's up? Who are you expecting? I guess I thought they'd give it to Makar, or honestly, I thought they might give it to Hedman. Hedman was one of the finalists, and I know he didn't have a good year because he played hurt. Uh, but the Norris is a legacy award. You never see young guys win the Norris. Nice or you, change. Yeah, you rarely do, at least. Yeah, I think Makar was the other finalist, right? He finished second. Yeah, and he was hurt even throughout the year, too, but he played at like a point-per-game pace. Yeah, so Fox, I thought, was the obvious choice given all of that. I mean, even there's guys that, like, defensively put up crazy underlying defensive numbers like Devin Tays. He got votes, which is good. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, for Vesna, I wasn't upset about Flurry. First time he was a finalist, which is kind of wild. Yeah. Uh, I would have I gone with Vasilevsky in that one, honestly. Me too. But fair enough to have Flurry. Yeah. And then Lady Bing, Jacob Slavin. Some people aren't happy about that. I think it's fine. Oh, who's unhappy about it? I haven't seen that. <laughs> that Damien Cox guy from, I forgot he works for in Canada now. He, I don't think it's TSN. He works for someone in Canada. He has been going off for like a week uh, about, because I think I think oh, Lady oh, Bing was Lady announced Bing? early. Yeah, because he thinks it should be McDavid or Matthews because neither of them got a lot of penalties. Slavin played defense, played a ton of minutes, played with Hamilton, got two penalty minutes for, I think was a puck over the boards penalty. And he was like, I don't know. He finished like 10th in Norris voting. I think like, first of all, it's lady Bing. Who gives a shit? (laughs) The thing with lady Bing is you have to be good and you have to be gentlemanly quote unquote. So guys never wanted if they have a lot of penalty minutes. So first of all, the players should vote on it. They don't for whatever reason. I don't know why they don't vote on it. Second, it doesn't matter. A good player without a lot of penalty minutes who people seem to like give it to him. After that, who cares? You know who I vote for for Lady Bing? Who? You, because you're a gentleman. Oh, thanks. I don't think a lot of people who played against me thought that, but <laughs> I appreciate you saying it. Just more in, like life-wise. 
Oh yeah, I'm a nice guy in real life. Once you get to know me, <laughs> takes a little bit. That's a very <laughs> ominous thing to say. Yeah. Once you get to know me, <laughs> I I always think about drill the drill tweet Twitter thread when he was tweeting at McDonald's about how and uh. The Hamburglar wasn't a good villain anymore because people don't really aren't scared of those who seek to loot and plunder in a, in a post 9-11 world. They, they like those they're <laughs> villains to people that sow chaos like the Joker. So he had this uh, this whole thread. You should look it up. Anyone who's looking up, like you can just Google drill McShitter thread. If you wanted there to be a villain called the McShitter who would jump on people's tables and shit on their food. And like this, it's hilarious, hilarious thread. But the end, he's all every tweet is at McDonald's. At the end, is he a top five Twitter account? Like on Twitter in Twitter history, number one all time. Yes, number one. He's the goat. He's the he's the Gretzky of Twitter. But the end of it, he goes like, "Thanks for listening, and I'm a really nice guy. Once you get to know me." (laughs) Wow, that's fantastic. I feel like I've I've heard of that thread before, or maybe we've talked about it. But I'm definitely looking it up after we're stopping. Yeah, after we're done recording. Here comes the McShitter. (laughs) (laughs) It's an incredible thread. Oh, oh man. man! But anyway, you you, uh, you have any recommendations for everyone? I don't. We haven't been doing a ton of recommendations. God, because um, of my recommendation that people go outside, I assume they're still out there, but they can still get the podcast out there. You know what? I have a recommendation for you and I. Oh yeah. Can we do our chicken sandwich episode soon? Oh yeah. We gotta Absolutely. wait for I think like the playoffs to be over. Maybe you have to wait till like August to do this or something after like free agency and everything. But when we really have nothing to talk about. You know, we got pretty close a couple weeks ago. Well, at least there's playoff hockey on. We yeah, can radically talk about, you know. But, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Once all the dust settles, it's going to be a quiet, like, 10 weeks. Our off season is going to be pretty wild because we're going to have the chicken sandwich episode or episodes, however long that takes. Then if we do straight up sabers, but like ER and do like the Star Wars episodes. Um, yeah, it's going to be 45 minutes of yelling. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Just me and you screaming at each other. Well, then we yeah. had to get like three other people to come on so that it's just like a wall of sound the entire time. Yes. No, it's a, a bunch idea. of people screaming fuck for like a good hour. No, Greedo shot first. <laughs> My God. Yeah, we'll have to come up with some other good off season. I, at least now, though, I mean, it, I was thinking about it earlier and realizing that the expansion draft is on the 21st and only three weeks away really puts it in perspective that like, that's going to sneak up on us. That's going to get here a lot closer than we probably anticipate. And I'm excited for it. Yeah. You know, interesting thing. I mean, it's so weird with the schedule being off tomorrow would be normally be the, once I say tomorrow, I mean the today when everyone's listening to the episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. July 1st, it'd be July 1st, which we have a lot of good and bad memories of July 1st. Just kidding. They're only bad. Only bad. I'll say this because I saw this going around on Twitter today. A July 1st thing that I will not count as a bad memory, I'm pretty sure it happened on July 1st, is the Airhoff contract. I saw this too. The Airhoff contract was not bad until they ridiculously changed this, the rules. Okay, not ridiculously changed the rules. Changing the contract rules in the next CBA was smart because everyone was taking advantage of this cap circumvention thing. And then they just retroactively applied it to contracts that had been signed, signed before the rule was in place. Ridiculous. It's insane. It screwed over a bunch of people. It screwed over the predators with shea weber mm-hmm. it screwed over us it screwed over the devils with kovalchuk but then he left but yeah so 10 years 40 million so he's making four million a year to be a like he was their best defenseman at the time i thought i think they thought he's going to be a sidekick to tyler myers oops Ooh. but four million dollars to be a pretty good defenseman they signed him when he was like 28 27 and 
that happened and they had a compliance buy him out. And if they didn't though, he ended up having a bunch of injuries in his early thirties. So yeah. not his fault. I mean, they have, would have ended up, if, if that wouldn't have happened, I would seen a couple of people point this out correctly that he probably would have been on the team for a few more years. Had that not been the case. And had they not changed the contracts that had already been signed. Yeah. I, it makes me wonder, would Murray have kept him around for the tank year? Or just flip them maybe before the Reinhardt draft to get pieces. Yeah. Well, oh, that's an interesting point. He was like untradeable. I forgot about that. That's that's an important part of that whole thing. Like, yeah, I. it was a weird thing. Like, Because when they bought him out, it was like, huh, holy shit. Like to most fans, but then there was all the big explanation. Like, this contract is a nightmare. If he retires this certain year, the Sabres get hit with like a $20 million penalty unless they compliance buy him out. Which kind of sucked because then they only had one compliance buyout left for Leno and who am I thinking of? Someone else. Oh, Hodgson. Hodgson. Which so they had to Hodgson had to count against the cap, which is fine. Well, no, they're late. Did Leno count against the cap? All bad. Either way, the Earhoff thing, it really didn't matter because so the compliance buy him out, and that's it. Contracts off the books for good. I mean, it's Terry Pagula paying him out the rest of his money. Who cares? Yeah. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me caring about Terry Pagula paying that money. Maybe get one or two more of those. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, why didn't they have more compliance buyouts when they did the CBA last year? That would have been cool. Yeah, would have been. Gary Bettman's a square. Well, if we talk about Donald Fair about this, you know, well, no, that doesn't make sense. Why would the head of the players union want a compliance buyout? Uh, That's nonsense. Yeah. Where's Terry Pagula throwing his weight around? Like, I got so many players we need to buy out. I don't want to get, count against the cap. That would require wow. Terry Pagula to like say complete sentences. So that probably isn't something to look forward to. No. Wow. Is he alive still? <laughs> Terry Pagula or Christian? Terry Aaron? Pagula. I'm sure he is. I mean, he's, he's looking at the big, big guys at Michigan. So that's something. Mm-hmm. Michigan Just... had a lot of big guys. Did they want, no, what, what ended up happening to them in the tournament? Something, something bad happened to them, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm not off the top of my head. I'm not sure. <sighs> I vaguely remember hearing something about that. It was a weird college hockey or yeah, college hockey season. Maybe they didn't have so, enough big boys. Yeah, the big big guys. Maybe they needed a bigger goalie. Next Tim year. Tim Murray would have told him that. Hello. He's gonna be starting for them next year. Big big guy. We like that. That'll be actually really cool. Yeah, if Owen Power goes back to school and like we get another one of these guys. And they go back to school too. And we got Portillo yeah, there. The three stars of Michigan, like on Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be a huge Michigan fan. I'll start wearing like button downs everywhere and talking about how good our law school is. Is that things that Michigan people do? Specifically? Michigan football fans are like the, I don't know how to put it. Like the, uh, the fancy pants types. There's probably a better way to put that of college of like, I almost said good college football teams. That would have been generous, but of like the competitive big time college football schools, they're like, oh, it's important to be a Michigan man. They probably don't talk like that because they're from the Great Lakes, but <laughs> like, you just know, we got some of the best academics there is. More like that, so I, I imagine. Like a Brooklyn in there, it sounded like. Yeah, but like, like you know, I'm talking like a mean. I know, I a know. mean I'm guy just... from the first Ward talks. I. Okay, I got you now. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have any recommendations before we sign off? Hmm. I've been watching Adam's Trade Jack Eichel Challenge. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to the, the game tonight, the uh, Blue Jays game in Buffalo. Last time I did that, the Sabres got uh, the first overall pick in the draft lottery. So maybe an Eichel trade will happen tonight. I don't really have that many recommendations. I've been watching Perry Mason. Uh, it's okay. I'm not done yet. We'll see if I recommend it or not. In about a- series. Have you been watching that, Taylor? I have not, but maybe. Ooh, super good. Today was the fourth out of the six episodes that they're going to be having, and it is amazing and is going to have like huge ramifications on the future of uh, the MCU and all the upcoming other movies and shows. Definitely watch. We should we should get together and watch sometime. All right. Yeah, we are well, going to see Black Widow together in a couple like a week and a half or whenever it is. It is a little bit over a week. Can't wait. Yeah, maybe we'll check out the Loki stuff. I like Owen Wilson. I got this, and then He's you know, we great got, in it. We got No Sudden Move coming out. If you're listening, it's out today on HBO Max. A heist flick. The cast is unbelievable. Just look it up. I mean, it's really unfortunate. HBO Max is not doing the thing they're doing with every other movie. Like that's a deal with Warner Brothers, I guess. They have a deal with Warner Brothers where they're releasing Warner Brothers movies on HBO Max and in the theaters at the same time. Bad idea. No sudden move. Also not in theaters. Should be. But I guess I'll just watch it on the TV. What do you think of the trailer for the Sopranos prequel? Ooh, that looks interesting. going to be cool. Yeah. That's going to be super fun. Yeah, his son's playing him. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even know he had a son. I, didn't, I made it way better when I found out it was him. Yeah. Yes. And we have a nice long run up so everyone can watch the Sopranos for the first time, the second time or the third time. Or however many times you've watched it sure. before the movie comes out. There you it's go. only like 68 hours of um, pretty dense uh, dialogue heavy. Are those hey. episodes an hour? Yeah, usually about an hour. Yikes. Yeah. It's a task. I think you can do it. I think everyone, I believe in everyone in the world. And we you don't all, have to see we them. Believe in, in you. you don't have to see the many Saints in Newark the first day it comes out. But yeah, Don Granada will be there. He's in the movie. Yeah. Hey, Donnie Meepano. Yeah. Eleventh, so eleventh generation Italian Don Granado, starring in the Many Saints of Newark. <laughs> I think I saw someone pull it, point this out. I don't know if it's. Uh, I'm sure it's a thing. It's got to be a thing. I technically took Italian in college, but I can't independently verify it. Many Saints in Italian, Moltisanti, and there are the one of the important families in the movie is the Moltisanti family. Also in the show, Christopher Moltisanti, played by Michael Michael Imperioli. Love him. Yeah. Great. Always always playing an Italian fella. It's true. Even in real life. He just plays an Italian person and just his day-to-day life. <laughs> I mean, I imagine. <laughs> I mean, he just naturally could be. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny how many guys I mean, I think it's like 27 people were in both Goodfellas and the Sopranos. Because I mean, Sopranos started almost a decade after Goodfellas came out. Wow. But he's one of he's he really has kind of looked the same from like, I would guess like the late eighties until like 2011. And now he looks old cause he has gray hair, but he, his, his character is, it, it's not an say important role in Goodfellas, but it's important in like really, really telling you that the movie has shifted. I think he, like, it's not him that does it, but it's what happens to him. Okay. And he's only in two scenes, but it's like, Oh, wow. Maybe I think that's the part of the movie where Martin Scorsese just wrote down in his notes, like cocaine isn't as fun as I thought. And he's like, I'm trying to convey that right here with Michael Imperioli. Wow. Yeah. Beautifully put. It's like being inside the mind of Scorsese. Yeah. I think me and him are pretty similar. I would say so. Yeah. 
All right. Well, anything else you'd like to add at all, Taylor, before we sign off for the day? Uh, my random Sabres player of the episode is Henrik Talinder, who I think 11 years ago today, when this episode was coming out, the Sabres should have resigned and didn't. Touche. I'll go with Paul Gostad, his teammate. Yeah. I met Paul him in Gostad. an airport. I have his jersey, the goose. The goose. All right, everybody. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. Make sure you're checking out both of those wonderful entities on their respective websites, the hockeypodcastnetwork.com as well as buffalofanatics.com and checking them out on your streaming platforms of choice as they're putting out a ton of great content. Hockey Podcast Network, of course, is now we're in the Stanley Cup. And as we had mentioned before, the expansion draft is looming. A lot of exciting things happening right now. Buffalo Fanatics, if you just want to gush about Josh Allen, get after it. Go listen and read their articles. It's a great time. And uh, this episode also is brought to you by DraftKings. Make sure you're using your promo code THPN at sign out to take advantage of great deals. Make sure you're following us on social media at Straight Sabres on Twitter. You could follow Taylor and myself at Brendan1423 and at Nigrelli93, respectively. And then follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at Straight Up Sabres. We'll be back with a new episode on Monday. We'll see if we have any more news by then. But in the meantime, we hope you all have a great weekend. This has been Straight Up Sabres.